Ladies and gentlemen, it has been two months since we last decided to do a podcast. This is the We Don't Know Sports Show, and we are back. And before we even get into the bulk of the show, we just wanted to take a second and let everyone know that we believe sports is a place to bring people together. We're not here to talk about social discourse or social injustice or anything like that. We're not posting anything on social media to try to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We know there's problems in the world, and we also know that three guys in the middle of West Virginia doing a sports podcast are not going to be experts in any way, shape, or form to help you figure out how to live your lives better. What we ask is that you use sports as a way to help bring yourselves together with others, that you use it to find a way to hopefully be a better person, live a better life. And all we ask is that you treat everybody that you meet with respect that you deserve yourself. So this is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We are back after a two-month hiatus because of coronavirus. But you know what? We couldn't go any longer. It's time for us to get back to what we do, and that's talk about sports. gentlemen welcome back to the we don't know sports podcast it has been far too long it's been two months and if you don't recognize my voice my name is chad the mark and i'm here with my brothers mr brown don't you know it's canadian biggie we are back after a two-month hiatus we haven't had live sports we haven't had much to talk about and you know honestly we've been listening to talk radio and all these different things and everybody talks about the same crap all the time and you know, we, we didn't want to contribute to that. We just didn't want to be regurgitating talking heads that gave you the same stuff that you were hearing all the time. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel, my friends. There are live sports that are about to return. And no, I'm not talking about the KBO. There are other sports, American sports, that we get to look forward to. We'll talk about that today as well as uh, all the other wonderful things that have been happening with our social media because even without live sports, I feel like our social media pages have been pretty strong, it's right? blowing up. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about the villain bracket, though, right? No, no, just, we're not. Just edit that out right B- now. But we do have a college mascot bracket coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. We did ask some people some questions that we're going to go over here in a little bit. But before we get into all of that, let's just start off. What the hell have you all been doing for the past two months? I miss you guys, man. It's been too long. It's been way too long. But before you write off the KBO, man, <laughs> let's let's talk about this real quick. I mean. They, at least they've upgraded from uh, sex mannequins to uh, stuffed animals with SpongeBob behind on plate. I did like they're that. doing big things. I saw Mickey Mouse also. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, honestly, it's like you have the sex robots in there, and it's like, hey, throw it here with their mouth wide open. <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone got fired for that. <laughs> for the degenerates out there, it gives them something to gamble on, so it's a win for everybody. What do they gamble on? How many sex mannequins are in the stands? I think that's a prop bet. That only happened like one game, right? Like they quickly learned that the general public did not like that decision. I believe. Yeah, I think so. Mr. Baseball didn't even approve. That's not Korea. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't approve. <laughs> Either way, I have found myself watching some KBO. Now, I'm not waking up at 4 a.m. to watch it, but I have caught it a couple times. It comes on like midnight or 1 a.m. And I, I'm just and they they only let one American player on each roster, I think, or fielder, and then it's like two pitchers, That's something crazy. like that. I didn't know all that. I haven't watched. I watch enough to learn that. Being the baseball guy that I am, I haven't even seen any of the games because I'm just depressed. I mean, you ask what I've been doing for the last two months. Well, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I'm sitting here drinking out of my Braves Tomahawk cup. I see that. You know, whatever uh, Biggs will fill up in the, in the fridge. But uh, We have a lot of beer tonight. Like, it's frustrating because, you know, no matter how bad it gets at work on a given day, I knew that I had my Braves baseball to watch at 7, 7.30 to take the load <laughs> off. And I haven't had that for the first time in 30 years, so I'm frankly, I'm pissed off. Well, you know what? On the bright side, at least we've been able to work. Biggie's still kind of furloughed right now, and I apologize, brother. But, you know, a lot of people were in your same situation, right? Like, they're just waiting on the world to come back to normal. You just got to kind of go day by day and enjoy what you have. I mean, I'm hanging out with my kids. It won't be too much longer, and they won't want anything to do with me because I'm not cool (laughs) and all that. So, you know. Live each day and be happy with what you got. Well, we could tell you that you're not cool. You don't need your kids to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) This beard is sexy. Your your beard is looking rather manly. I'm not going to lie. I won't call it sexy for, you know, fear of how it might make myself sound, but it it is a manly beard. After shaving mine, I'm jealous of that beard. I I miss the beard from Mr. Brown, you know, while he was recovering from his neck uh, fusion surgery there. So, yeah, a lot of people haven't been working. We haven't had a lot of sports. 
I've been relatively productive. I decided to do like a bathroom remodel. I've done a bunch of projects around the house just because I'm going manic. Like I can't stay still that long. And I have realized that sports might be a bad thing because I, I find that I'm relatively much more productive without having baseball at seven o'clock to turn on or whatever it may be. Me, just give me the baseball, and I can explain myself later to the wife. That's just where I'm at with it. I'm just being honest. Well, what's bad now is I've done proven that I can do a lot of crap when there's no sports to watch. So Yeah, but this is a natural disaster, and uh, you can't hold this against you in the future. We all cope with it in different ways. You can't hold this against you in the future. It was non-precedented setting. I I believe that's a a good story. I'm sticking to it. Absolutely. (laughs) This is depressing to to say, but as a Mariners fan, typically the middle of June is where I really start to get productive. Because I don't really have anything to <laughs> look the forward to until the NFL starts and I get some Mountaineers football. So, Man, we were talking earlier about just how much we miss doing the uh, stone-cold lead pipe locks of the NFL, which is not even NFL season, but like we were going to probably have some fun with the NBA playoffs and, they, and all that stuff just died. Bring on those losers from Bleacher Report. We'll whoop them again next year. And we did, for the record. If you haven't paid attention to us in the past, we are excellent, excellent handicappers. And we're looking forward to bringing on some uh, more uh, celebrities and former athletes and Canadian sports bookers, Joe Madden, to come on and, and do some picks with us in the future. We definitely had fun with that. Um, so we did have one thing in common during this whole epidemic, pandemic. I don't know what the – it's pandemic, right? That's what we're yeah. supposed to say. The last dance happened. Yeah, I was going to get into that, but, but I, let's force the feet here. Well, well I'm going to force feet. Like, ad nauseum, like every sports broadcaster out there had to talk about it every Monday after it came on. So we've had a chance. We're not talking about it till after we've seen all 10 episodes. Now, full disclosure, we all grew up in the prime of Michael Jordan, correct? It was the best time ever. <laughs> so this is I, I'm with two Bulls fans here, and they're still Bulls fans, right? Like, Mr. Brown is wearing a Bulls shirt right now. And a hat. And he's pointing to his Jordan poster behind me. No one can see you point, but I will do, yeah, I know you I will do the, I will do the uh, commentary to help support that. But the last dance from Bulls fans. I got plenty of things to say about, but let me ask you guys. Mr. Brown, start with you. Overall, what was your take on the last dance? Did your opinions change any about the GOAT? Is he still the GOAT? Uh, you tell me. Is it, my opinion absolutely changed? Not that he was the GOAT, per se. Um, and I will say this before I get into what I'm going to say. Every Sunday, I looked forward to watching those two hours Absolutely. worth of programming to see what was going to happen next. Uh, it's all and you look forward to. You're right? watching ESPN. You know who's going to drop this F bomb or where Robin's <laughs> going to end up in North Korea or wherever he's going to go, <laughs> Vegas. I don't know, but it, it was crazy. I like watching it live as we did as teenagers. Um, we knew how great they were, but we didn't really understand the dynamics of it. Right. And that's what was blowing my mind. Is And it was crazy. All the moving parts it was going on, how Phil Jackson juggled those moving parts. And I'm not going to really elaborate on that because I know you you can too. But the, the biggest thing I got out of the whole last dance was is that Michael Jordan shows that he's like the GOAT because he was such a killer instinct. He different. didn't care who he beat down in the process, including his own teammates. Horace Grant, you play like shit today. You don't get to eat on the plane. His point was is that I play to win. I want to be the best ever. If you can't handle me in practice, how are you going to beat the Knicks? How are you going to beat the Blazers? How are you going to beat the Lakers? How are you going to beat freaking Gary Payton and his weak-ass defense on me? So it was the best I've ever seen because there's not a competitor ever that's compared to Michael Jordan, and he proved it in this, in this series. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I already thought that he was the GOAT, but watching through that and seeing the competitiveness that he had, even in practice, the next level he went to, fighting his own teammates, knowing that if I push him this hard in practice and they can handle it, they're going to be able to take him when it comes to playoffs, into the finals, punching Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr punched him, fighting different guys in the finals. You're going into Dennis Rodman's hotel room, picking him out of bed when he's (laughs) in his pajamas. Like, the different things they had to go through in that 98 season with we didn't have social media back then. Now we would have known every detail of it. We followed, we watched on Sports Center. You didn't know those. To know that's what they went through with everything that was on the line, still won the title at an advanced age. Oh, and they're done after this. Yeah. And poor Scott Burrell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he never said Scott. 
He never said Scotty. He never said Burrell. He always just called him Scott Burrell. He just got the full name treatment. But I want to stop for a second because Biggie said something and it completely derailed my train of thought of any rebuttal I had. Carmen Electra still looks fine at 48 years old. Well, yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, doing your business on the middle of the, the United Center. <laughs> that happened. They didn't talk about that in the documentary. You hear about that now. If that were to happen in 2020 with social media. It would have probably been like, uh, what's his name from? Uh, Jamal Murray. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell this all happens? Only a little bit gets out and you're still beating people's asses winning 60 games at a time. I'd love to have some Dennis Rodman accidental live feeds on Instagram. <laughs> it's it's been- crazy. I mean, how many times have you seen a player today drink a Miller Lite and drive off on a Harley? Like that happened in the documentary. So and they never knew when he was coming back. No, in the but, middle of a season. But 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 that's what Phil Jackson was great at. Like they knew who these guys were and the pieces they fit. It just like he knew how to navigate that. And at the end of the day, like you never heard Jordan or Pippen or any of these guys talk about how they didn't trust Dennis. Like they did because they knew he was just wired differently. Hey everybody, practice tomorrow. Tomorrow rolls around. <laughs> Robin takes a flight. He's on WCW Nitro. He's out there with Hogan. Yeah, New world. It kind of sucks, but that's, that's okay. He'll be ready to play tomorrow. Like that <laughs> type of stuff would tear teams apart. Not when Jordan's the alpha male. And if he can't beat you down physically, he's going to beat you down mentally. If that don't work, he's going to cheap shot you. So the one thing I will say is nothing changed in my opinion about Jordan. He is still the GOAT because at the end of the day, he is the ultimate winner at all costs. And, and, like, he even got emotional talking about it. Like, in the one – I think it was, like, episode seven when it ended. Like, he was just like, you know, there's a price for winning. And, and he started tearing up. And he's like, I'm done. And, and you know, so there, there's some humanity there. But at the same time, let's be honest, Jordan, he's a dick. Like – I mean, uh, I agree. That, that for me, is my childhood idol, and I'm a baseball guy, was Jordan. And to see that, yeah, he's absolutely that. But like, it was it was to win. Well, you you heard the stuff from guys like Will Purdue and Bill Winnington. It's like, yeah, he was a jackass. Luke or Longley, he wouldn't yeah, even come John on. Luke he wouldn't Longley even come wouldn't on. Come, Luke Longley still hates him, but they're like, but like Will Purdue's like, yeah, we hated him, but it it kind of worked, you know. And Jordan even talked about like, hey, I wanted greatness, and I'm gonna pull you along to get there. And to a certain degree, it worked. But at the end of the day, they're like. When Jordan on the court as a basketball player, he is not there to make any friends. Every guy that was interviewed said the same thing, just in different words. And that was, we were not worried about Phil Jackson. We were worried about answering to Michael Jordan. Do you feel like they painted Scottie Pippen in a negative light too much? Having lived through all of it then, I don't because I remember all that and – Michael really? Jordan himself said, when you speak Michael Jordan, you should speak Scottie Pippen. Right, but that was like early on in the documentary. So as we went through it, though, like everything was Scotty this, Scotty that, right? Like the Pistons thing about like Jordan questioning whether or not he was hurt and, and then him not being able to win without Jordan. Well, then and, and it was then the, the fact the that – The holdout it, thing. Well, not even just that. Like was, wasn't it when like Jordan was out that Pippen – wouldn't come back in the game at the end of the game because they drew up because the Because coach. Yeah. yeah. So, to me, that was his opportunity to say, I'm the man. And you know what they said is like, what would Michael Jordan do if they would have drawn up a play for coach? No, oh, he'd have beat Phil's ass. Well, the, the, here's the real answer. That would never happen because yeah. he's Michael Jordan. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So, I, I feel like they did Pippen a little bit disservice. I'm sure he's a little butthurt over the whole thing. And yeah, he, he is. Absolutely. And, and, and he should be. You know, but I nah, think right. I think Jordan tried to placate at the beginning where he said, "There's no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen." Like Biggie said, "You're absolutely right." But for as great as Pippen is, like Pippen might be the best defender in NBA history. Is that is that a fair thing to no, say? I mean, you could argue that, and there's no one that could say otherwise. I mean, I'll he, say that he could guard any position. No, and he was versatile. Yes, I mean, no. If you said that, I mean, you're not a fool. I mean, I mean they they did do the favor of for him to show the '91 Finals, where you know they they saw Magic Johnson and and Jordan was like, as soon as we put Pip on him guarding him full court, we knew he was done. Yeah, and absolutely. they showed it. He, he ruined him. As much as they want to talk about uh, the earlier '90s with Pippen times against the Pistons, the headache, uh, the contract where 
went through his summer, then didn't play. How did the documentary end? Back pain, in and out of the trainer's room, in the finals, out there, giving whatever he can, gutting it out. To me, everything happened. We remember living through it. I don't think that it painted him in a bad view. It, it reminded me of what we went through as kids watching him. I mean, I just think that a lot of people, including Pippen apparently, feels like he could have been given a little more credit throughout it. But it, let's be honest. Was this a Chicago Bulls documentary or a Michael Jordan documentary? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was clearly a Michael Jordan documentary, and it wasn't going to be signed off on unless MJ approved. It was all It, it was clear. If, they, if he didn't like what something was said, he wasn't going to approve it, and that was clear. But with Scotty, he got his contract. He went to Houston. He banked. Right, it was one year, I think, and then he was traded to Portland. He he got paid. He was right in the documentary. He said, "My day will come." But to to you want to say Scotty was painted a bad picture. He gets his chance to go to Houston and be the guy, and they realize real quick when he got there, his even teammates in Houston was like, "Scotty's not the guy." Well, he's got to be Batman. It was mostly Barkley and Pippen. They did not gel at all. They had not, a, just, not just them. I heard Mario Ely and a few others. Well, that was the biggest though. Was Bar- they because they brought Barkley in too, right? right? right. I and got the, you. But Barkley the point is, is that they're like we're giving this big salary, and he's not the guy. So you bring up Houston though, like just to like derail this a little bit. Like, how good of a dynasty could have Houston been if not for Michael Jordan? Because they did win the two titles without him. And then, like, they still had enough going, like, at the end of the run of the Bulls. They bring in Pippen. They bring in Barkley. Like, they were still a good team, but, like, it was just a little too late. On the exact same side of that, Utah went to the finals two years in a row. The 95 finals, they lost in game seven to Houston. So right. they could have potentially had a three. And that, that's the difference. Is all, Everybody wants to make all these comparisons. Like, look, I'll tell you, LeBron James is great, and I hate doing the cross-generational comparisons and all that. I think LeBron's probably the best all-around player of all time. The difference in LeBron and Jordan is he doesn't have that killer instinct. Jordan's just going to come out there and take your lunch money and, and then show you the lunch Step you bought with jugular. him. Right, he's going to show it to you. So – the, the amount of players, though, for the decade of the 90s and the amount of teams that the Bulls team kept down, like the Magic beat them in the playoffs, right? right. What happened the next year? They got swept. Uh, they, they, they demoralized. I mean, you could say they ended that dynasty potentially because then Shaq's out yeah, of Shaq's there. Shaq's like, I'm on L.A. I, I, <laughs> I'm out of here. I ain't playing this Houston Give me a little, Get me Kobe. <laughs> it's, it's, it's completely so bizarre to go back and look at all these different players that's like what the, happened. You put Horace Grant on your shoulders. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you know, all offseason they're watching. But I want to say this real quick before we stop talking about Jordan. Was I had no idea. Well, let me ask you first. What were some things that you didn't know that you learned watching the documentary? I guess because the '80s was before my time. I probably started watching around '90. To I mean, I was eight years old in 1990. Okay. So I started watching around 90 and started following it clearly then. But, like, and I say clearly, but, you know, for an eight-year-old. <laughs> I got you. My point is, in the 80s, I didn't realize how, like, insane he was as far as stats. I mean, I knew he was, but I, without looking it up and, like, watching it, Jordan just put up stats, but he was on bad teams. And then it wasn't until they uh, put in the triangle offense and right. Phil took over for uh, Doug Collins. I knew Doug Collins later in his career, right? but not that Doug Collins because I was too young. So then I seen it, and just that change of style and then the personnel, that's what it took was for Jordan to finally realize that I have teammates, I can still get mine within the triangle offense, and we can dominate that way instead as, of as me great, being myself. As great as he is, he had to learn to grow his game too, right? Absolutely. And he did. What about you, Biggs? Well, there's three things I picked up from it that I never knew. One, that he was considering returning to UNC for his senior year, and Dean Smith had basically told, told him, him not to, right? Go pro. Right. Uh, like, who doesn't want to play for that guy? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to ignore my own interests because I care about yours so much. I learned Roy Williams really loves him some MJ. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Uh, Roy Williams would look at the camera with, like, this little shit-eating grin and just be like, he just never turned it off. <laughs> like he was that was Roy Williams. Yeah, yeah. The the second thing that I learned was what Mr. Brown just said about he his stats overall within his career could have been so much better. He could have scored a lot more points. He gave that up to fit into a system that made the team better because his ultimate goal was to win. And the third thing was I've never heard of a player having a for the love of the game clause in his contract. <laughs> 
Jordan was playing pickup games at UNC behind their back with a broken foot. And when he came back, he was playing seven minutes a game. I didn't know his minutes were that restricted before he put 63 up on Boston in the guard. And the, and and that was the, all that same season and the way like they took him out and John Baxson hits that game winner. I didn't know that I either. I didn't know that either. So I'll tell you, my, I was just he, getting – They unleashed it and he like went nuts. I know. No wonder he scored 63 yeah, yeah. in the guard. He, he, he was just – He was pent up. up. Yeah, frustration. He said – how bad's effing headache? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, he, if one of these pills is going to kill you. Even Larry Bird was like, my God. Like, you had to unleash him on us. L- Larry Bird said, that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God disi- disguised as Michael Jordan. Like, that's incredible. Like, your contemporaries don't say that about each other. If Not when Larry Bird was where he was at that time. No, Larry Bird was the best player of the 80s for the most part for a right. lot of people. You know, three times he finished runner-up to MVP three years in a row. Like he, People don't realize how good that cat was. Well, if you take that on his winning three in a row, there was really a six-year stretch I, where I he could have won the MVP all six years. Thank you for filling in the gaps. That's exactly how good he was. All right, not to carry on, my last thing I want to say, the thing I didn't know that the last dance showed me was I didn't realize that when he came back from baseball and shot Space Jam, that he held open court out in Hollywood and invited the best of the best to come out there. Like, everyone just wanted to see, does Mike got something left? And the whole time, Mike's looking at them going, let me see how I stack up against these young cats. Like, you got Reggie Miller, Chris Webber. Like, everybody's coming out there and playing. And they're having the – like, where's those videos? Give me that documentary of just – the summer of 95 or whatever year it was where they're just running open gym, full court pickup games with all these NBA guys who, who decided to come out to Hollywood where Jordan was shooting Space Jam. I'm going to record 12 hours a day and then come out here and then hustle all you guys in the gym. I mean, absolutely. We've, we've all seen the video about Barcelona and, and the Dream Team. Right. And those games between those teams. Give me that. But – this was all voluntary guys coming just to see the greatness of Michael Jordan. I was like, where is he at right now? Young and old. Jordan even said, I've seen some young guys show up. And uh, he's like, I had to show him that, you know, I'm still the guy. <laughs> and uh, it was Reggie Miller amongst others. And, like, it was just straight up badass pickup games. And, like, they all came just because of him. Just because Jordan. Just Jordan's here guy. shooting Space Jam. Let's all go play pickup games with Jordan at 7 p.m. at night. Reggie Miller said it best. He said, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he could shoot 12 hours a day and then play three to four hours of pickup basketball going all out and then go to bed, wake up, and do it again the next day. He said, we'd come out there and just stay, hang out, and then, like, we're going to play basketball. He's working the whole time. It's incredible. But I think that underscores the one statement in there everybody made a big deal about where they said he was addicted to gambling. He was addicted to competitiveness. Right. Any way, shape, or form he could get it. I mean, hey, he loved the United Center staff, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Seeing his interactions with those guys who we never knew existed, that just it makes him more human, I guess. Absolutely. But, you know, we could talk about The Last Dance forever. We should have probably done some shows while The Last Dance was on. But it was all over every single sports outlet you could finally you know, hear something being discussed that was new. We all loved it. Jordan's an asshole. We get it. But he's our asshole. He's a winner. We love him. He's still the GOAT, right? I want that asshole on my team. <laughs> 100%. All right, we're done with The Last Dance. Next topic. Well, enough talking about things in the past. Let's talk about what's happening right now. So it's been really since March 16th since we've had live sports. And now we're starting to see the NBA just announced a comeback. The NHL is possibly coming back. The MLB doesn't know what the hell they're doing. But there's all kinds of different stuff about to happen. We still think the NFL and college football is going to kick off with a normal schedule, we, we hope. But let's start with without fans. Without fans, I don't know. They're selling tickets. I hope you're right. They're selling tickets. Like as a West Virginia football fan, they are selling season tickets. It's right not going to be the same without the fans. But go ahead. But I'll take it, right? No. Like, are you gonna are you gonna not watch because no fans? I may not. You know, wrestling has been going on this entire time without fans, and no one cares. <laughs> so some people watch. I yeah, haven't. They don't. They don't. Well, I'm just saying it's happening somehow. Anyway, NBA just announced. They're coming back. Looks like their target's July 31st. Big, do you, do you have the, the info there? Do you know what's happening? Like, what are the rules here with the NBA? We're coming back with, like, more than 16 teams. 
Uh, so they're going to do 22 teams. July 31st is the uh, target start date. They're going to do training camp June 30th. And July 7th, they'll travel to Orlando, which is where all the games will be played. And instead of coming back with all the teams, they picked the 22 teams that had the best records. 13 from the Western Conference, 9 from the Eastern Conference. They'll each play eight games in Orlando that'll get them into the playoffs. And here's the thing. Where you're currently seated in the 8-9 spot, if the team that's in the 9 spot or in the Western Conference, in that case, you're 10 or 11, if you can get to within uh, a game of the 8th spot, they're going to do a play-in, a best two out of three. Hmm. The, the team in the 8th spot going into the best two out of three only has to actually win, win one, one game, right? Yep. I, I saw that earlier. So are we still doing East versus West? Don't sound that way. No. It don't sound that way, but it doesn't specifically state it within. So in the past, the NBA has like tinkered with the idea about doing like away with the conferences and just having the best sixteen teams. But they they've always kind of backed off of that because of travel. So because now they're going to be in Orlando, everybody's together. So are they are they really going to split up the entire playoffs? I don't believe so. All right, so we're still we still think we're going to see East versus West. Yeah, well, the, the way that it does it now is it shows east and west teams and it shows them playing for the eight seed on each side which would and they've said it'll be four rounds of playoffs best of seven each series just like it always has been but it doesn't specifically say it will be all eight eastern conference teams all eight western conference all right i I love the fact that you got uh zion in the picture now (laughs) well i was gonna bring that up specifically well uh, you you took my thunder but no i'm not gonna get into it much but like on the east you got the wizards nobody cares right the uh, the Blazers they've they've underachieved all year long. They Big could be time. very interesting. Now for that, this, well, Lillard said he's not going to play if there's no playoffs. Really? Yeah. So you got the Blazers. Sorry, go ahead. Well, here's the interesting thing. You just said the Wizards in the East. John Wall's come out a couple times now and said he's 110 percent best shape of his life. They're he's ready to play. And 40. <laughs> they're not playing him. There's no chance he plays. Is what right. Scott Brooks said. So. Good. They're 28 and a half games back. Yeah. But you got the Blazers, I think, are underachieved. You got the Pelicans, who everyone wants to see. Just because of Zion. The Kings, eh, I don't really care. The Spurs, Popovich, you know, he's in the he's news, a, of course. Yeah, he's. <laughs> uh, we'll go into the Suns. Uh, they're a young and upcoming team, the yeah. Suns. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting. But everyone wants to see the Pelicans. And I love the fact that the Grizzlies are number eight with Ja Morant. Yeah, I was going to say, if I list, these teams are eight through the end in the Western Conference. You got Grizzlies, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Suns. Pick one of them to be the eight seed. Who do you want? God, that's crazy. The Spurs and the Blazers are in that. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, everyone wants to talk about Pop being this great coach, but guess what? What has he done since Tim Duncan retired? Not a damn thing. (laughs) Exactly. Get off your high horse, Pop. Let's go. So the the important thing to notice, like Mr. Brown pointed out, is – they want to do what they can to get Zion on this because we didn't get a full season of him anyway, so let's try to sneak him into the playoffs. But the um, I guess what they're playing six games. Is that what it is? Eight. Eight games before the playoffs actually start to determine the seeding. And did you see how long they expect the playoffs to go? Yeah, they're looking to play until the end of October. That's insane. Didn't it say the end of July to end of October? Why would it take that long? That's what I didn't understand. Well, they're doing uh, full rounds of playoffs, seven games each round. All right, but we're not traveling now. The 2019-2020 season, which is what we're in, is looking to end with the start of the next season being December 1st. Uh, well, I saw that they still think they can start the regular season in November, which, you know, they've backed it up to October the past couple of years. But how in the hell can you make this drag all the way out until October? Like, why can't you have this done in a month and a half? Like, I, like normally the playoffs start in May and wrap up in the middle of June. So I don't understand why it's so different, especially now that you're not traveling. You're all in the same place. You should be able to play every other night for everybody. I mean, maybe they're compensating for the fact that they're not really in shape like they should be because they haven't been playing. No, no, no. They're supposed to report at the beginning of July. Okay. And then the playoffs are supposed to start at the end of July. So that gives them like three to four weeks. I just know I can be in shape in three to four weeks. I would hope so. (laughs) I couldn't be. Well, you're not a professional athlete Uh, and you have neck injuries. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's what happens. Well, just remember the dates they have listed on here are – Said as target dates, free agency right. target date. It's October not 18th. like they got the draft set in September, right? 
I think so. I think I saw the that 25th, earlier. The 25th, like the uh, lottery's August 25th, and the draft is like September 15th or 20th. Which is crazy. And then I, I'm so curious to see how the draft works out because you didn't get a, you didn't get an opportunity to do a combine. You may still get one, I guess. But the regular season ended. You didn't get the tournaments. So, like, for all your college players out there, like, how are you really drafting these kids without getting all the up-close and personal information you normally get? Video, man. Technology. <laughs> Social well, media. We're going back to old school ways. Hey, let me ask you this. Is there anything in there about players who may not want to play based on the COVID? Because, like, there's certain players that may not want to show up because of pre-existing conditions. I mean, I haven't seen anything specifically around players. Like, the only thing I said, and I said it, mentioned it earlier, is Damian Lillard said he wasn't going to show up and play for no remainder of a regular season if the playoffs weren't involved. And I get that. Like, the season's done lost. Why do you want to go sacrifice? You know, why do you want to shut a season down, then bring it back and have somebody play meaningless games when you could risk injury and things like I completely understand with that. I got it, but has anyone in the NBA that you're aware of said I'm not playing because of COVID? What about uh, Gobert, maybe? He's already got it. He's fine. (laughs) Mitchell's fine. The Jazz will be good. They've already moved on. They're like, look, we're going to take it. I'm going to touch all your microphones. Yeah. We're championship but run right here, baby. Hey, it's 2019. It's 2019-2020 season. It's COVID-19. Ah, the Jazz are plus 600, by the way, if anybody's feeling like that. Oh. Wouldn't the Jazz get plus an six, asterisk? Plus 6,000, sorry. If they win at all and they know they're not going to get infected now, did they just get an asterisk because of the world champs? Everybody's they, getting... they just outlasted everybody else? <laughs> we developed an immunity before you. So, well, now, the best this is what I was going to say. The best thing is going to be is if the Lakers win it all because now you have the eternal conversation about – LeBron's got another title. Yeah, but it's an asterisk, you know, and it's just going to go on forever. Let's hope not. Well, <laughs> let's give it to Greek Freak. <laughs> It'll be the asterisk regardless of who wins it. In 2050, you're going to remember 2020 for COVID-19. Right. <laughs> That's why I'd rather be Greek Freak. Like, he gets the championship and he gets, like, not really over the It'll hump, be like but... when the Spurs won in 99. Right, right. Let's give it to him so that way maybe it's the beginning of many big things. All right, so other sports. Let's let's move on from NBA. I just want to give you guys each one long shot. We don't do this typically with basketball. We always All right, do you're making a prediction. Is that what you're doing? The Lakers are plus two hundred. Boxer Boxer plus two seventy five. Those are kind of the teams we expect the to come out. Right, right, right. Is there one long shot team you think that could make a run? Mavericks are plus thirty five hundred. Oh, well, that was the one I was going to mention. Could you? Is there one team that we're not really thinking about that even maybe it's the, the Pelicans who are the ten seed right now? Hey, they get in, they could do something. Look, I'd like to tell you the Mavericks, but they don't play defense. Luca got kind of puffy, too, is what I heard. The Rockets? No way. No, you can't. The Rockets are. I like it. Plus 1,500. Plus 15. So if you put money, you put it on Houston. Yeah. I hate Westbrook. How could you even bet on them? Because I'm tired of the Lakers. (laughs) Well, that's fine. No. You could put. I'd put my money on the Trailblazers before I'd put on the Rockets. No, I got you. Maybe the Pacers. Uh, <laughs> uh, Oladipo's back, yeah, so maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, yeah. Either way, we get basketball back. Like, we missed March Madness. We missed, all, we missed everything. So now we get at least some NBA playoffs. I'm taking the Nets at plus 6,000. Kyrie and KD. We don't <laughs> know it yet. KD's not playing. He's, playing. He's, He's not playing. <laughs> If KD came back, yeah, Clay, the Warriors are out of it though, right? So Clay Thompson, they didn't get invited to the big dance. The Bulls, that's normal. (laughs) The last twenty years, nobody was questioning that. We can finally fire Boylan officially. (laughs) You can bring back Fred Hoiberg. Oh, it didn't mean for the deep deep sigh. Hmm. All right, so other sports. So the NHL, they're coming back. I don't have a lot of details, but the difference in the NHL and some of the other sports is they seem to be kind of more unified. Right. You don't see as much discussion out there, but uh, I think they'll be back uh, sometime in, in late June, early July, it looks like. So they're they're bringing back, what, 24 teams, I think? I saw that. Was yeah, that- somewhere right along those lines. They're not bringing back fully in the jail. They're kind of doing somewhat like the, uh, like the NBA, NBA is. is doing. And the reason they're going 24 instead of 22 is that that same reach. They fill within an 8 or 10 game. And they're still schedule. doing a 16-team playoff, but they're just starting with that 24 teams. Yeah. So, And like for people like us who aren't traditionally really hockey fans, 
And we have about 10% of our fan base that lets us know that we're missing out on the greatest thing ever. And Biggie will mention playoff beards every chance he gets. So, you know, I'm looking for – I like the missing teeth. I'll watch hockey. Like, I'm going to watch it because I'm so deprived of sports – like, I'm hoping this might be the thing that sucks me in. And they get you involved with like, hockey forever. Like, like, it's not like I don't want to like, like hockey. I just don't get it. So I'm hoping this is like the the jumping the shark thing where, like, I'm beyond the the, the realm of so, reasonability. You said that. Are they coming back before the NBA? It, it, they don't know. They haven't really announced uh, the exact dates. What are their target dates? I think that's huge because you got the NBA coming back, and if hockey comes back before the NBA, you may have some newfound fans. I think it's all about timing. That's just my opinion. No, yeah. People are starving for sports right now. The sooner you can get back, the better. And playoff beards are epic. Every year I watch playoff <laughs> there hockey, it is. and I just love it. I get wah, a chub, wah, and I'm wah. like, I'm watching wah. all next year. And the wah, next year rolls around, and all I watch is Wednesday Night Hockey and NBC, whoever's playing. That's the only game I watch all week, and I pay attention to nothing else. So, so we talk about like sports being able to capitalize it. So if hockey comes back first, that would be tremendous, right? The sport that's screwing everything up more than anything right now, though, is Major League Baseball. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Like, they have an opportunity to be in the heart of their season right now, and they can't get out of their own way. You know, the players already accepted a 50% pay cut. Now they're at this impasse where nobody wants to work it out. You were telling me that a season might happen anyway. No, I don't even – We don't know the details. I read today that it may happen anyway, but, like, the owners – or the players proposed 114-game season. The owners countered with the 50-game season, knowing that they were going to accept that. And they walked away and said, we're not giving a counteroffer. And so basically what we've got in baseball is is millionaires battling with billionaires. billionaires. And only people that lose is the fans. This is the one sport that is screwing everything up. When you go to the NBA, you don't hear any quarrels or bickering. The NHL, everybody seems aligned. You go to Major League Baseball, who is, you know, let's be honest, their popularity is not what it used to be. If there's anybody that could benefit from someone pulling their heads out of their asses and getting a product on the field for us, it would be them, and they're not doing it. They need it right now. It's driving me nuts because, like, look, even if you're an owner, like, I get it. Like, we could talk about this person's being greedy or that person's being greedy, but, like, the owners need to look at this more long term. Right, like if you got an opportunity to bring fans back to the game, if baseball was people are watching the KBO right now, if Major League Baseball was on, people would watch that. So you bring it back. Yeah, you might take a little bit of a financial hardship this year because you're having to pay half of a salary, not a full salary. But don't tell me you can't come to a compromise where maybe you can't prorate salaries down the road or you can't do something to solve this. But if you put a product of baseball on the field right now, we'd all be watching. I mean, I, I got what you're saying, and I'm not trying to agree with the owners in any way, but you got the Dodgers, you got the Yankees, absolutely could do that. You got a new team with the Marlins, been there like a year and a half with Jeter and his his group. So they, they don't have the financial like like ability to just be like, we're just going to pay out when nothing's coming in other than the TV deal because no one's in the stands. Well, that's anyway for the Marlins. No, my <laughs> – but you want to appreciate those 7,000 people. <laughs> My point is, is that Major League Baseball, like you said, has every opportunity to capture America's hearts right here, now. And they have let it slide. And we're all starving for it. They could be playing right now. See, I think what happens, like you just said, they look at finances. The Rays and the Marlins, they can't afford that. On the flip side of it, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the, uh, the Red Sox. They can do whatever they want to without fans because they're that mega millionaire throwing their billions around. And I feel like the home run chase with McGuire and Sosa and the way that brought everybody back after we had the strike, if you were to have July 4th baseball opening day fireworks, you could suck everybody back into the game. My my point is that you might not make – a black ledger on the book this year. You might take a red ledger, okay? You're not making that much money. But it's worth getting back to the product on the field if it means you can prorate whatever losses you take this year over the next few years. Like, as an owner, like, it's, it's just business principle, right? Like, there's two types of business principle. Hey, I can only pay out what's coming in. I get that. But then there's businesses that take a risk. and Like, Amazon, as a company, did this. We're not going to make a lot of money because we're going to spend money on development and things like that. Look where they're at now as a company. Baseball teams can do the same thing. I may not 
you know, make a profit this year, but at least I'm going to get my team out there. We're going to show that we're actually a part of this. And then over the years, hopefully, because fan interest comes back, because you've brought people to the ballpark and you've shown interest, you can get that back. I mean, you're – you decided to pay these salaries. Like, you got to pay them anyway. Like, the players decided to take a 50% cut. They don't have to even do that. Like, the CBA does not have a coronavirus provision written in it. My question is and has been, when you're looking at it from an owner's perspective, if you don't have a season this year, do you have a season next year? You have a collective bargaining agreement that needs to be negotiated part of their Hangling right now, I feel like has to do with that. Right, that's the problem, right? Like they don't want to come to an agreement because they're so worried about the CBA coming up. Yeah. So do we go two years without baseball, Mister Brown? No, the problem it, it, exactly. Like if they don't figure it out now, I feel like it's if if they can't come to an agreement over money this season in 2020, it's going to linger into spring training for 2021. It's going to linger into the season for 2021 because we don't know what Corona is going to do. The end of their agreement is at the end of the season after 2021. This may cripple baseball forever because let's let's be honest. The younger generation don't have appreciation for the game because it's not quick, quick, quick like everyone wants to see. It's not the highlights you get yeah. from football so, or basketball. This may be the end of baseball if they don't get their heads out of their asses and realize maybe the players, maybe I'm making too much. Maybe the owners are like, I'm holding on to too much. Let's meet in the middle and let's protect the game and let's save the game that's America's pastime for the last 150 years. So you look at the nation as sports fans, what are the two easiest things to do or get into if you're even a casual sports fan? It's fantasy football, March Madness bracket, right? The way that baseball is trending right now, they're going to go through 2020 and through 2021 and not exist, and they're going to come back the next season with a new CBA. Not going to happen. And I love baseball. Like, I don't want to see that happen. Like, I just – like, at a certain point, like, you got to look at the fans. you got to say, whatever it takes, let's get on the field. Because right now, without without having competing uh, with the NBA playoffs, without having to worry about the NFL being around, any of that stuff – MLB's got the show to themselves. Like, they have an opportunity to bring a fan base back to educate people about the nuances and the beautiful nature that is baseball. But we're not doing any of that. Instead, like you said, Mr. Brown, it's millionaires and billionaires bickering over what's happening. And these, like, even the owner of the the freaking Rays is worth a billion dollars. Like, you can't, you can't help float this for the rest of the year if you have a $100 million shortfall. Like, come on, man. Like, you'll get it back. Like, this is an investment. We're not treating it as an investment. And I agree with you 100%. But there's a problem is that, like, with Major League Baseball players currently in the media, unlike uh, NBA and uh, hockey, there are players that's blatantly coming out in social media stating, like uh, Blake Snell, stating that I can't play for this type of money. If that's what we're going to play for, the season's over for me. And they immediately signs with Scott Boris, the major agent there. (laughs) And that's fine. But – at the end of the day, you know, it that's that may be the last contract they're even going to sign for. It's going to be like the last big time money they have. But like these guys are openly coming out saying, not on top of the money situation, they're also saying that, you know, I may not play during Corona because I don't feel comfortable. Right. And, I, and I haven't heard that during the NBA. I haven't heard that during the NHL. But there's an MLB player stating that. I may not play because I don't feel comfortable. And imagine, like, let's say a Blake Snell, the biggest piece of the Reds or the, the Rays. Rays rotation. I'm not playing this year, so let's just mark the Rays out of the equation, unless they always do what they do. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that would be like taking Mookie Betts off the Dodgers <laughs> if he didn't want to play this year. So if they don't, Bellinger. So if they don't play, does that mean they don't have to pay him this year? They don't. Then they opt out. They're great. My, my point is, though, is that. You're not going to have the best teams playing with the best players because certain players are going to opt out potentially. And if that happens, that happens. I'm willing. No, I got to, I'm willing got to go it. down that road. I got that. You are, but really, did the best team win? Well, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, no matter what, it does matter. No, whatever sport wins any, whatever title gets won by any team in any sport this year, there's an asterisk. No, I got that. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, you say that, but then you think of Tim Duncan and. 
Greg Popovich's five-time NBA champions when their first NBA championship was in a strike sort season. So 20 years later, do we say that has an action? Well, that's so because right now, they won multiple championships. So that makes it a little easier to say. You well, know, as time goes on. And <laughs> I agree up saying with you, Biggs. Right, but everyone's going to remember everything from 2020 because True. of all this nonsense. I'm just saying, put the product on the field. If people don't want to play, that's fine. They didn't got to play. And it may not be the best product, but it could have been. But, like, I can't control what people want to do. Just give me baseball. The one thing that has really struck me that I thought was just a good deed for a human making a ton of money, David Price, he hasn't played a game with the Dodgers. Oh, and he's doing some good things. Is it uh, month of June, $1,000 every for, minor leaguer? For each minor leaguer. He's yeah. given $1,000. So, for every minor leaguer in the system – for a team that he's never played a game for. Yeah, if you want to really talk about the socioeconomic impact, it's not even MLB. It's all these minor leaguers because we were already in that territory where they were talking about getting rid of all these minor league teams. And now the players are coming up, not just David Price, but other players and other organizations are floating these guys' paychecks. Because, like, right now, I think I saw minor leaguers are making, like, $400 a week. Like, that's all they get. And now you got guys like David Price who are like, don't worry about boys, I got you. So if the players can look out for each other, why can't the freaking owners no, do it? I agree with you 100%. I agree with you, I agree with you 100%. I'm not taking the owner's side. They're all greedy. The problem is with baseball, so with baseball, the damn players' union and the owners are so far apart on everything. When it comes to something like this, we just get to see all the cracks in the armor. It's the biggest gap in all professional sports Absolutely. right now between the union and the owners. And it shouldn't be. But the problem with baseball, too, with the union, is you got players that are making hundreds of millions of dollars, and you got players that are making nothing. Yeah. Like there, it's so out of control. There's no cap, and yet it's the biggest. Like, like I don't even know what to almost say. It's the biggest gap between like the, the owners and the players coming right. together. There's no cap, and you have these big time guys, and then like you said, got the nobodies, and we still can't come to an agreement. I mean, that's why all I, sorts of walks of life in baseball. It's it's out of control. They got they got they got to sit back and look at why they're so dysfunctional because this is this is ridiculous. But I just want baseball back. I had tickets to opening day. I didn't get to go. Damn it! I still want to go watch a baseball game at least on TV. Give me something, something. What, Mister Brown? Why you got a shit eating grin? No, I was gonna piggyback. It's not opening day, and I'm supposed to be in Atlanta in three weeks, and it's been canceled. And Ticketmaster finally said, "We'll give you a refund <laughs> in 30 days." So I'm pissed off because Braves and Phillies. Who don't want to watch that? Uh, we we. It's terrible. It's a terrible time to buy tickets for sports events. It was the Mariners' year, and now they're not going to play. <laughs> uh, uh, time to end the segment. So next week. It looks like we're taking the show on the road. Me and Mr. Brown are heading to Northern Ohio. We're going to Port Clinton, Ohio to do some walleye fishing. Are you excited for that, Mr. Brown? Oh, I'm ready. It's every year thing. And we're going to be up there near Cleveland and uh, get to give me some fresh uh, perch sandwiches. <laughs> perch so I'm ready. sandwiches. We, we enjoy the wonderful waters of the freshwater lake of Lake Erie. We're, we're about 30 miles from Canada. Yeah. I mean, we well, I mean, we technically, when we go out to the lake, we're like, three miles away oh yeah absolutely. i mean we're getting Correct. right there on the other side of put in bay we're at we're, we're having some issues with the canadian uh royal police there pushing us back but we're going to be almost international next week but our hope is to bring you a show from port clinton next week but in the meantime we did pose a question and it's kind of a sad question and look we're all kind of sad right now because we don't have sports but we wanted to ask right Everybody now hurts because everybody does hurt. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Take comfort. <laughs> I can't stop. do it. We'll stop. stop. But everybody does hurt. We wanted to ask, what are the worst moments that made you feel about sports? What are the things that made you hurt the most? And we got a list of things. And personally, I'll tell you, as a, as a college football fan, born and raised in West Virginia, we had a shot of the national title once, and we lost to Pitt. We were a 28-point favorite, and we lost 13-9. to That that was my moment. What was your moment, Mr. Brown? I mentioned on the page it was 1991. I was a nine-year-old kid loving the game of baseball. You're going to give me something that crushes a nine-year-old's hopes and dreams? Absolutely. So I'm watching the World Series. I ask my mom every night. Every time there was a World Series game, I was like, Mom, can I stay up and watch this game? I don't care how long it was going to last. 
and uh, what Minnesota's what an hour behind sometimes. It's Central Time. Yep. Yeah. So Braves twins, Puckett, Jack Jack Morris, the young Braves, the young studs on the Braves, Dave Justice. And then that MF or Ken Herbeck. Ken Herbeck. So, uh, we need to get Ken Herbeck on the show. <laughs> thing that stuck out to me was the Braves. The first time they worst the first season, uh, Herbeck pulls Gant's leg off the base. And then they <laughs> lost game six. Game seven's, you know, pucket walk off, I believe. Uh, it just, it's just disgusting. And uh, the first memory is a broken down. So, so one of the best memories of 90s baseball is your worst memory. So, exactly. Uh, when you hear, we'll see you tomorrow night, you just want to punch people in the face, right? It, it makes me, it makes me sad. It makes oh. me hurt sometimes. So, so <laughs> you could probably get Kent to come on. He likes to fish. Just out fish him. And make him well, we'll, we'll reach out to Kent and see if we can get him. So, Biggie, what about you? Do you have a moment in time? That Patriots just... undefeated season. It's easy. I could go to Mountaineers football and basketball. And uh, I would really like to. Is go that the tie? Is that the Tyree West. game? David Tyree, because before that play happens, Asante Samuel, who's an all-pro corner, drops an interception. We have him in the grasp, but he let him go. He chucks it down the middle. Just the way that things unfolded that year was like the year of 2020. Only was that year's <laughs> Super Bowl. So we got. You think of anything that you've ever won in your life, and there's one thing that lost that sticks out more than anything else, and it's that time. Well, it's you know, twenty twenty for Pat's fans, it, right? So, I mean, everyone else is happy. You guys got Could enough wins, though. So, I mean, yeah. you, you know, your your pain does not cut as deep, I guess. Yeah. Can I have a number two? Sure. Uh, Elite Eight against Louisville. We're, oh. we're crushing them. Who's were West Virginia? Right? Yeah, West Virginia. West Virginia. We end up losing in overtime to Rick Pitino and Louisville to go to the final. We should have won. It, 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 it was beeline. It was just air bear and. Patrick Beeline and Pitts Noggle, not probably one of my favorite ever teams in the history. Just a, a bunch of scrappy kids that they could play ball. They could shoot and they could pass. And we missed out on March Madness this year. So we had Tyree as one of the, the common topics that came up, which we kind of dismissed Patriots fans as saying, haven't you won enough? Don't right. you have enough? But we also had another Patriots game on the list. We had the Tuck Rule. Now, Mr. Brown is a Raiders fan. I don't know if he even wants to comment on this or not. I'll leave it up to you. I mean, I had fifty dollars <laughs> on that game. <laughs> that was a lot of money I, I back then. I threw my TV through the window. With inflation, that's like three thousand yeah. dollars today. That was like an eighteen-year-old with fifty dollars <laughs> on the line. But uh, I, I, I will state to this day that Woodson ate his ass up, Brady, and and uh, the rest is history. And Brady knows it. Everyone else knows it. And then we have this crazy ass rule and the rest is history that's what started their dynasty right. to be honest so some other things that we had we had uh bartman you know but i feel like cubs fans are a little bit more forgiving of that now because now they've won they've won a world series but at the time i'm sure the bartman game really really hurt it's kind of like the uh buckner mookie wilson game like it didn't end the series but it might as well have yeah i mean moises loose sold that you know so i mean he, he pretty much made bartman a household name so if you're a Yankees fan, do you go 3-0 losing to the Red Sox? Is that your worst defeat, or is it Mariano Rivera? I'm just curious between you guys. What do you think? The Game 7, the walk-off with the greatest closer ever on the mound, or blowing a 3-0 lead against your arch rival? I think it's the Aaron Boone. Uh, what, what, no, was it Aaron Boone? <coughs> Aaron Boone hit that home run. Or yeah. the Yankees. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we talked about that earlier. was the 2001 Walk off with Luis Gonzalez right over the shortstop's head. Yep. Against Rivera. Yep. So to me, I love that moment because I remember watching that, and, and people's gonna think I'm crazy. 2001, I was 19 years old in college, and I was still working at Mickey D's, <laughs> and I was watching in the break room. I said, "Give me a minute, please. I'll get you your burger." <laughs> and I watched that float over uh, Jeter's head after uh, Luis Gonzalez hit that ball, and I was, I was loving it. I was dancing through there. I said, I'll close it down for free. Hey, here, here's a trivia sorry. question for you. Okay, who, who scored the game-winning run? Do you remember? Steve Finley? No, it was Craig Council. No, I was going to say that next. <laughs> so we also had um, – we. I mean, we had everyone. No, I knew that was Craig Council. We, no, we, you guys me too. Good. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. Yeah. But we had hundreds of comments, right? So we can't list all the top fan comments, but Del Guerri – I just want to read this one out loud. Top fan. Top fan, Dale, said, I was 14, my baseball team, playing for the championship. 
playing a team we had beaten the regular season a couple times, and they beat us once or twice. But first couple innings, we were good. It was a close game, and then the wheels fell off. We couldn't stop them. After the fifth or sixth inning, our coaches literally threw in the white towel. They were up 20-plus runs. What was worse is we were actually the better team than them, but everything fell apart. Total heartbreak. Dale... I'm sorry, man. That's some, that's some pent up. That's trauma for a 14 year old. I will say the one that sticks out the most to me, and it was mentioned on the page as a out there, not a fan of a team, that type of thing. If you throw a perfect game, you go down in the oh, history man. of baseball. We're talking about an umpire years decision. From now, they remember you. Had this happened in 2020 instead of 2010. Uh, Galarraga would have had a perfect game. It's been game, 10 years. And you yeah. would talk his name in 2082. Now, you will never know. He'd be like Roger Maris. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I just, that, that's the one to me, just as a baseball fan. Not that fan was ripped from team. him. It wasn't like it was a diving catch in the outfield. It was pretty freaking obvious. Do you feel worse for Galarraga or was it Angel Hernandez? No, no, it was uh, it was another really shitty umpire. I can't think of the name of the umpire. But do you feel worse for the umpire or the player? The player, because the umpire gets forgotten. The player, yeah, but I think an umpire lives with that every day now. I'm gonna be honest, I don't give a shit about Galarraga <laughs> because like you, you were garbage. So like I don't care that you had a potential perfect game. <laughs> That's your one flash in the pan. No one cares that you showed up that day. How about showing up the rest of the time? But Dallas Brayton <laughs> threw a perfect game for the A's, right? I don't give a shit about him neither. All I'm right. saying, you were perfect at one point at the highest point of your profession, and it was robbed from it! <laughs> All right, how about uh, Christian Leitner? We had some comments oh, about that. Le- Leitner hitting the, the dagger in the March Madness tournament to beat Kentucky. Probably the greatest college basketball game to ever take place, and it's the reason why we got a 30 for 30 documentary titled, I Hate Christian Leitner. Yeah. Not only is it the greatest college basketball game to ever take place because it was between two blue blood programs for a trip to the final four in overtime it was a shot hit by the greatest college basketball player in the history of college basketball was he 11 for 11 from the field in that game 10 for 10 from the field 10 for 10 from the line i mean that's perfection you know and he was on the dream team damn it let's not forget that but instead of of isaiah thomas but yeah. but that Leitner shot, it made a lot of people. If you're a Duke fan, you were happy. But if you most people don't like Duke, it just made you hate him even more. Because he wasn't ever played on the dream team. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was in practice. Yeah, yeah. All right. How about we got a lot of Cody Parkey messages? I, I was kind of doink. That was kind of recent history. The double yeah, doink kick. Yeah. You know, Who's that against? The Bears against I, who? Eagles. Okay. It was so bad though that the Bears were Big doing Nick Foles. They were doing they were doing freaking trials for their kicker in the parking lot the next week. It was so bad. I remember because it was so bad because they let Robbie go go to San Francisco. They want to pay him. Yeah, right. And San Francisco did pay him. Yeah, he's been legendary. What about the uh, Seahawks and the decision not to run the ball on the one yard line? You can say whatever you want to about that, but. Dante Hightower with one broken shoulder <laughs> fought off Russell Okung and tackled Marshawn Lynch with one hand at the two-yard line. So, I will say that if I were a Seahawks fan, I would have loved to have seen him run it. I also would have loved to have seen him run it 10 seconds later, not 35 seconds later when they couldn't figure out what the hell they were going to do. <laughs> but does that go down as one of the biggest heartbreaks, though? I mean, this is a team that could have won back-to-back Super Bowls that year, right? If you're a diehard Seahawks fan, because back-to-back champions get remembered forever, it kind of makes you a dynasty. Yeah, right. Like in today's world, that's a dynasty if you win more than one. It's teams you talk about forever. Well, then you look back at it too, and that was your last moment of greatness. What have you been since then? It's been just you've been good, but it's been downhill. All right, Mr. Brown, you got any others you want to mention? Yeah, I got one here. I was uh, Michael Sands brought this up. Uh, Philly, Philly's losing in '93. Mitch Wild Thing Williams to the walk off to Joe Carter. Oh. Uh, <laughs> dancing around first base. I do remember that. That's that was an epic moment in Major League Baseball playoffs. You know, I I remember that to this day. And my Braves got knocked out to the Phillies, but Joe Carter in that moment was it was amazing. I see the thing about baseball is sometimes their heartbreaking moments, like it, it builds to that that 
paramount moment where someone's going to hit the ball and it just wins the game. And don't get me wrong, like basketball is great. Football is great because you're against the clock. It's about time running out. But in baseball, it's more about the situation. It's about the anticipation. Right. Like it literally builds to that moment. And those moments are just incredible. I, I mean, it, there's so many moments to list, though. Like, no, we, there's one more. <clears throat> you got another. I mean, we had 370 no, no, comments. No, no, no. We got another, though. 28 to 3. 28 to 3. <laughs> That's heartbreaking for sure. That, that never Vegas. gets old. <laughs> That's given us meme material for the last four years, it seems yeah. like. It'll give you material for the next 283 <laughs> years. See, we mentioned the Cody Parkey thing. As I'm scrolling through the comments, there's a just somebody posts the gif. <laughs> hey, another another top fan said, you know, being a Bengals fan, it's an upsetting and heartbreaking life. It, it is. Like, there's no one specific. I'm a Bengals fan. I got to so say that because of you. It's not one specific moment. It's just pretty much the uh, existence of the franchise. It sucks. Hey, there's always next year. Is there? <clears throat> no. Exactly. <laughs> but I show up anyway. Yeah. Top of your head, is there one most snake-bitten franchise in any sport that you can think of in the last 20 years? Ooh, snake-bitten franchises? Just, That's a good question. You know, they're, oh, my God, the Browns last year were going to win the division and all that. And uh, but the Browns, they're not so much snake-bitten as they are just dysfunctional. Yeah, so so I, I don't know. A team <clears throat> that has everything, they're there, they're in the playoffs – and for whatever reason, they always shoot themselves in the foot. Like so, I feel like the Sacramento Kings back in the uh, oh, absolutely, <clears throat> they were snake bitten because I feel like they should have beat the Lakers at least once, and they didn't do it. And I feel like they probably could have beat the Pistons in that playoff series. That was one of the best teams I've ever seen not to win a title. I mean, they were they were built the way to they were built the way the Pistons were, and the Pistons won, right? They were just full of a bunch of role players. With a couple really good all stars, they had some good players, dude. I mean, they had eight, they nine had guys Bibby, that could play. Christie, Weber, Devox, Scott and- Pollard. So that that was for <laughs> the starting five right there. And oh, and Hido, Hido Turkoglu, Hido Turkoglu, Paige Stoyakovich. And Vladi was the best passing big man in the league. When you put him down low with C Web, man, they were beautiful to watch. Dude, that was a hell of a team. Yep. So that that was always the NBA Finals before the NBA Finals. So that they were snake bitten. I feel like a little bit. I don't know. I feel like you asked that question with. You potentially having some answers in mind? No, not so much. <laughs> Damn it! I, I was asking you guys to see if there was one certain one that had stuck out to you. I mean, the '90s Buffalo Bills. Yeah, the fact absolutely. they they couldn't yeah. win the big one, like they always got there. The Braves only win a one. Like the Braves for the decade of the '90s, having only the, win a one, having poss- that rotation, the best pitching rotation of all time, possibly. I mean, like let's say that, like. Can you give me another pitching rotation better? Not with three Hall of Famers at once. I mean, uh, it's, it's unreal. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's definitely up there. I believe um, Bobby Cox. <laughs> it's Bobby Cox's fault. Take him out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who else? I mean, what else is snake bit? I mean, I feel like we got one moment in time where teams have been snake bit, but to see somebody consistently snake bit, that's a, that's a tough one. I feel like the, the Bills, the Braves. The one that came to mind for me, uh, I wanted you guys to say your thoughts, the Texas Rangers. Back-to-back AL champs. I can see that. Look at that game six. They Catch lost ball. to the Cardinals. Were, I feel like they should have been World Series champions, and they went two years in a row and lost both years. That was my kind of team that, that – How did they I'm not win one of those no, – You're the baseball no, guy. I got you. The Rangers are definitely snake bit. I'm going to tell you a snake bit. The road is Chapman against – Jose Altuve, okay? Because he knew a slider was coming. <laughs> Does it make sense now why yeah. Chapman had that shit-eating grin on his face? Yeah. <laughs> he knew that slider was coming. That That's the my... definition of snake bit. You you know what's sad is for people like us, you can just show a picture of Chapman smiling, and you know exactly what that's from. Absolutely. That's terrible. That was That is a picture of snake bit. But that, that's got so many more layers to it, though, oh, because yeah. of the, the Astros and the way they are. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we love to hear from our fans. We'll continue to post some great questions out there. We can put that out there. I mean, that, that was just one of them, right? What was the most heartbreaking moments in sports? And you had the picture of the guy on the couch trying to get, you know, some therapy there. We know everybody hurts, you know, we're tired of everybody hurting. We want sports to come back. We're excited to talk about things. So to wrap up, you know, we're glad live sports are coming back. I don't care if you hate the NBA or not. Guys, watch it. Let's just be excited we get live sports. And watch some hockey. Some hockey. Learn what icing means. And what does hockey playoff mean, Biggie? 
beards. Playoff beards. So we got NHL coming back, NBA coming back. We're hoping Major League Baseball will pull its head out of its ass. And then if everything holds true, college football and the NFL will be back in the fall. And life will be good. And I don't care if there's spectators or not. Just give me something on TV so I can quit doing home projects around the house. Just to be clear here, I don't need fans in the stands at NFL games. I just need NFL games so that we can whoop them bitches over at Bleacher Report. So we can do some lead pipe stone cold locks of the week. We Like Vegas has lost so much money. So we're hoping that all you gamblers out there can get your fix on once these live sports come back. We got to start tagging the dudes from uh, Bleacher Report on Twitter or Instagram or whatever and just say, hey, we're better than you. Every week. And, and see if they respond to us. I mean, yeah. they should at least pay us. Like, we could do their picks for them and yeah. they could just take credit. I'd be okay with yeah. that. Social media. Just give us fun. our royalties. All we, all, we want, all we want is our fridge filled up with beer. <laughs> yes, that is it. We do not ask for much. So this year we'll pick all the games and we'll give our uh, – our hot three or our blazing five or whatever. And you bet those five and win, we get money off of it. Hey, you know what made us different is we bet on every single game. Yeah, you yeah, look at most of these guys, they pick five games they're comfortable with, and that's all they do. You kept saying five. Shit, get me all of them. We did every game every week. And, you know, we were going to have some fun with the NBA playoffs. Maybe we'll get back into that once it comes back up. But until then, you know, we're just waiting. So we're hoping – that come July, we get a lot of sports back and we can actually have something more, you know, fun to talk about. But, you know, we're going to be back here next week regardless. I mean, one thing is for sure, we're going to be in Cleveland this ne- next, next week. week. And I can guarantee you who's not going to be in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers. But we'll be there anyway <laughs> discussing all things sports, baby. So if you're in Port Clinton, Ohio next week, we'll be up there doing some walleye fishing. Until then. Everybody, have a wonderful week. Stay safe. Remember, COVID's still out there. Wear your mask. I don't care. Don't wear it. Whatever you want to do. We'll see you same time, hopefully next week. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. See you next time.